Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Art of Money podcast, where I share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences, beliefs, and relationships, infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement. I am Barry Tesler, a financial therapist, author, and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework, blending therapeutic, body-based practices with the real-life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. So you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget and hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, barrytesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. I want to share a story with you because a question came in, and I'm gonna just read the simple question and then tell my story. So the question is, how do you transform the attachment to self-worth and money that's so prevalent for business and life? I love this question. And while we address this in so many different ways in many different articles, you know, on self-worth and value in the library, I want to tell this story. I haven't told this story in a long time, but it's one of the stories that I have in my, in my tool bag. Um, but it highlights a lot of things about life and business and all of that. Okay, so here's the story. Here's the personal story, and then I'll, I'll, I'll share the story in my teachings. So I can't believe this was so long ago. This was... 15 years ago at this point. So I was nine years into my business, into my, at the time was called conscious bookkeeping. And I always had a sense that I would get a knock on my door from Sounds True. Now Sounds True is a wonderful publisher out of Boulder, Colorado. And many of you know, this is where I went to graduate school before I moved to California and started my conscious bookkeeping work in California and lived there for seven years before I moved back. But while we were in California, I kept thinking about Sounds True, this publishing company, and hoped, or yeah, hoped, you know, that one day they would knock on my door. And I had a sense that one day they would knock on my door and invite me to do a CD. Set. That's what they were doing back in the day, right? You would go into a studio, go into their fancy studio, and record, you know, 12 hours, up to 20 hours, you know, it, some crazy thing like that. But that's, you know, this was before, um, I don't know, audiobooks were maybe not happening as much now. They're, you know, now, now everyone has an audiobook. But back in the day, everyone would teach their work. And it would be recorded on CDs and you would sell your CD set. Okay, so this is, right? This is dating everything. 
So I got the call. Um, I was in my late 30s, so around 37. And we started talking about what I was going to do. And, you know, I was teaching conscious bookkeeping, the three phases, which are the same three phases of the art of money today. I was teaching that in small groups over and over and over. So, you know, 10 to 20 people. I've been doing it for years all over San Francisco area, one night in San Francisco, one night in Oakland, one night in Marin, one night in, you know, Santa Cruz. I was literally driving everywhere around the Bay and teaching, you know, good four nights a week. And then I started moving into my very first teleclasses. So anyway, Sounds True calls me. They want to do a CD set, the full deal. And, you know, I signed the contract and they fly me out to Boulder and they put me up in what felt like a very fancy hotel. It's called the Hotel Boulderado. I remember ordering room service. I remember... I remember the clothes that I picked out, right? I was in my 30s. So I, was, um, I remember the clothes that I picked out to go and do the recording in the studio. You know, I was assigned one of their producers. I was going to be the youngest person and woman that had ever recorded with them. And they, I fly out to Boulder in the fancy hotel with the room service club sandwich, I remember it. And I go to the studio and I go to record and I just remember the producer and maybe someone else, you know, across the way behind the window screen, me in the studio with the headphones on and I start recording and I, you know, I can do it for about an hour or two easily can talk to myself in a room for an hour or two and, and, you know, teach the beginning of my teaching and methodology. And I did that. And then, you know, after two hours and I just would sit there and go blank and we tried it again and again and again and I could not get through it. And I, you know, I sat there in the studio just devastated. You know, what's wrong with me? What's the matter? Why can't I do this? I teach all the time. Why can't I teach in this studio? I just kept going blank after, you know, an hour or so. And we took a break. I talked with a producer. Um, we tried it again and then again and again. And by the end of day two, we they canceled my contract and canceled the recording. And I went back to the fancy hotel, probably got another, you know, club sandwich <laughs> and flew back to California, heartbroken, devastated. And I just remember the next week or so in this funk of, you know, I'm done with my work. You know, what is my value? I can't, you know, I couldn't do this thing that I had thought about for years, you know, that I knew was going to happen, that I hoped would happen. And I felt awful about myself, my, my work in the world, and I really was in a place of spiraling of I have no value. 
right? I have no value to give. Therefore, I need to end my work forever. And I remember going to my mom, um, and my mom is very gentle now, but she wasn't so gentle back in the day at times when I would go to her if I was, you know, having a lot of emotions or heartbroken. But she really stepped up in this moment, and she, I told her what happened, and she said to me, honey, remember that movie with Loretta Lynn about her life story and her life work, and it was called Coal Miner's Daughter, and do you remember when they asked her to start performing, you know, she was a musician, um, a country musician, and they asked her to go on tour and to start performing in front of really large audiences. And she would just shut down and she couldn't do it. And so what they had to do was literally turn her around so she could not see, you know, on the stage, so she could not see the size of the audience and the size of the stadium. And she would be facing her family, her kids, and she would just sing to them. And was, she was totally able to do that, right? And that's how she was able to go on tour and perform, you know, and do that whole thing. They were able to find a way to set her up for success. They were able to find a way to understand who she is, how she works, how she doesn't work, what she needs, um, so that she would thrive, right? Um, in these moments. And that was, you know, I, that was the story that my mom told me. And it helped me start to unravel what happened in that studio and why I so-called failed, you know. And I got to learn, you know, as I was unraveling all of that and all of my feelings and the heartbreak and the feeling of failure with, wait a second, you know, I cannot speak to myself alone in a studio, <laughs> no matter how beautiful it is, for more than a couple of hours before it's not interesting to me anymore, before, you know, I shut down. And I pretty quick, not quickly, I realized that, you know, within that whole process that I did not set myself up for success, that the producer, the young woman that I got did not set me up for success. She didn't find out really who I am, how I thrive. And I realized that I needed students. I needed a community. I needed to be talking directly to someone with someone, engaging, having a back and forth Q&A, you know, um, and that most, you know, there were certainly some women who had gone into that studio that did those recordings, but predominantly it was the men who would go in and be able to talk um, for hours and hours and hours and were way more intellectual or theoretical, you know, than, than I am. And so that whole process was an unraveling of feeling as though I'd failed, feeling as though I'd, you know, been a failure in this endeavor, and then turning that around and realizing that 
I just had taken myself down the wrong track and the wrong road and didn't, you know, set myself up to thrive. I didn't really listen to what I needed. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to do that in that situation, even though I did in other moments. And so that so-called failure really got turned inside out. And I quickly from there realized that it's so important to know who you are, who you're not, how you thrive, how you don't, what you need in these moments, what's not going to work, where, you know, and on and on and on. And soon after that, two things happened. One is that I went to teach, I went to teach my work in a six-month group, you know, and rather than the six weeks that I was doing or the three-month courses that I was doing, I decided to extend it to six months. And I always recorded the calls like I do now to share it with the community, right? And I, I was like, how am I going to come back around, you know, from this endeavor? And I pretty quickly realized that, you know, we, we, I needed to record our live class with 50 people. And I sent out an email, it was right at the beginning saying, hey, everyone, would you be willing to be a part of this? You know, we're already rec recording it. Um, but will you sign something saying that I can use this and it will be a, it will become a home study program so that other folks can listen and learn and be a part of it. And this will be my 12 CD set, you know, it turned into a home study program and you can show it feels comfortable or don't, or we could always edit you out, you know, and so on. And it was a wonderful six month group with those 50 folks and we, you know, recorded the whole thing and that became our 12 CDs that are really our home study program, which was the very first online program that I ever did. So the other piece about that is pretty soon after, after that doorway shut, this other doorway opened, is that I also got pregnant, you know, um, and then had my son, you know, a year later. So I'm telling you this story because this was a a, a crisis moment. This was a self-worth, a self-value crisis moment in my life. And it wasn't so much related to money, but they're all connected, right? It was certainly related to my work in the world. And I think that, you know, we can, well, I mean, we're going to have setbacks. We're going to have so-called failures. We're going to have moments where we don't thrive. And, you know, we can have all our feelings and feel them and move through them. And then we need to learn everything that we possibly can about what happened. Where did we veer off track? Where did we not listen to ourselves, right? Where did we not listen to ourselves to help um, set up the situation so that we could thrive, so that we could bring our best, so that we could bring our skill set, so that we could bring our native genius, right? so that we can show up and do a good job. So I didn't know that in the moment. The producer didn't know that. Afterwards, I learned very clearly how that needed to be done. And then I was able to somewhat duplicate that situation, you know, do it through my own business and record in a completely different way where there was a community asking me questions. There were students. We were going back and forth. 
right? So I'm talking now for, you know, almost 20 minutes, which is easy. But then beyond that, again, I need all of you. I want to be interacting with all of you. And that's what works for me. And that's what would have set me up for success, right? So that I would have known my value in that moment. And I would have set everything up to the best of my ability and gotten support from others around me, right, to also set it up so that my value could be brought, right, to that studio, right, the metaphor of that studio. So how do we transform our attachment to self-worth and money that's so connected to business and life? Okay, so that's the story. There are many different teachings and practices within that. I'm going to share a few of those and then I'll open it up, okay? So, you know, for me, cultivating our value is a lifelong journey. I don't, I personally don't think you wake up one day and you're like, I'm hot shit. I got it all done. You know, I, I mean, if you do, I still think life's going to have setbacks and curveballs and ebbs and flows. And so again, I think it comes back to that this is something that we're cultivating day in and day out. And we're going to have ups and downs and all around. And the way for me and what I've been teaching for years is how to know your value. How do you grow your value? How do you cultivate your value? Is everything from learning from these so-called failures, right? Learning everything we can about it and what worked, what didn't, and fine-tuning every next opportunity that we have, right? Um, fine-tuning every next workplace we go into, um, working on our boundaries and learning how to say no better and better and better because we have to say no for our yeses, right? There's only so much we can do. And, you know, as I always say, crafting your money and life and work decisions based on time and energy and family and health and money. So additionally, you know, business for me has always been a psycho-spiritual journey. And there's developmental phases in businesses. And I don't think we can bypass the developmental phases of a business the starting phase, the first few years, the three to five years before you hit sustainability. And it's never like this uphill thing where you're making more income, you know, and growing your work exponentially over and over and over. Some years you'll be doing that. Some years you'll be hitting a dip. Some years you'll be working on maintaining, again, based on knowing what life phase you're in, where do you live, where do you want to be living in this world, your goals and priorities. So what else do I want to say? You know, Mark Silver, he runs, I think it's called Heart-Based Business. He was one of the first people that I heard talk about developmental business phases for, you know, a solo business owner, um, a spiritual business owner, or someone who's open to that. And I have a couple of interviews with him. They're in our library. Please go listen to them. I think they're they're older, but they'll be wonderful. One's on marketing and one is on, ooh, one is on trade, I think. No, pay what you can. 
that's what it is. He's been doing pay what you can for your business. I don't know if he's still doing that. The interview is a couple of years old now, but that was also a wonderful interview that I did with him too. And that's probably in the library and the entrepreneur section. So go to him for some further study. He also has a really strong spiritual practice, which he teaches on as well. So how do you transform the attachment of self-worth and money with business and life? I think it's an ongoing journey of fine-tuning, knowing yourself, knowing who you are, who you're not, what you're still working on. Um, And that really, it's something that we're just, cultivating it's not something you arrive at and you're done um depending on where you are in life with health and family and parenting and you know all of it I think it's just ongoing and I think um we need to of course continue to be gentle when we're checking in how am I doing now and you know am I knowing my value more and more how is that showing up with my work you know is that about how much I'm bringing in. I mean, sometimes we hit our goals, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we have a, you know, increased revenue year. Sometimes we're, again, we don't hit our goals and we're not meeting them and we have to look at what's being adjusted. And in those moments, certainly it comes up like, you know, where's my value? What is my value? What's going on here? And I know personally that I take these moments personally sometimes or for a moment or for a few days, you know, and then you go down the rabbit hole of that and you need to explore it and uncover it and understand um, where are you putting meaning? Where are you putting meaning? And how are you equating, you know, your income at this time with your value? But then go back to the larger view of maybe this is a simple year or needs to be a simple year or, Maybe your income is decre- your income is decreasing this year because you're focusing on all these other family things. And then can you define your value in a different way that year, right? Can you find different ways to define and evaluate your value and your contribution to your family, to the world? I think that's something that we need to redefine each year. Right? So we have the nitty gritty steps of boundaries and saying no better and more elegantly and fine tuning everything. And then at the same time, we have the larger view of what is a larger goal for this phase of life and for this year and how much can I give to the outer world and how much do I need to be giving to myself right now? or my immediate family, and just, you know, ongoing, fine-tuning, and taking some days of pause and rest to honor where you're at. Hi again. Thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance, heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you, a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, 
soul deep aspirations and grab your favorite person. You can find out more at barrytesler.com.